It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Lori Sudbrick, founder and president of Unlimited Coaching Solutions Incorporated, author of a book called Leading with Grit, which is an acronym inspiring action and accountability with generosity, respect, integrity, and truth. Lori, welcome to Accelerate. Oh, thanks so much, Andy. I'm so happy to be here with you. Well, good. Good. Actually, we're in relative close physical proximity, uh, a couple hundred yes. miles <laughs> at least. So take a minute, introduce yourself, maybe tell us how you got your start in business that led you to where you are now. Yeah, sure. Well, um, you know, oh gosh, it was probably about 20 some years ago that I had left well, it, was, it might not have been quite that long. Almost 20 years ago, I left the corporate world. And um, that was, it was really difficult to do at the time because, uh, you know, I was, I was younger, I woman, I didn't really feel like I could start my own business. But I um, ventured out there and started Unlimited Coaching Solutions. In the, you know, the whole reason behind that was to help people really be able to get the kind of training and coaching that I thought they needed but wasn't happening in the corporate world, in the workplace. Um, and so I built the business uh, mainly in Rochester, New York, and really just travel all around the world doing um, mainly leadership and uh, you know a lot of communication and team building and that kind of training. But um, yeah, that's pretty much how I got started. It's uh, it wasn't really a, a long, dragged-out planning process for me. I'm a type A personality. I just jumped out and did it. <laughs> well, that's the way things often go, right? I mean, too much planning yeah. can be paralyzing. That's right. That's yeah, if right. You knew, if you knew what all the risks were, you wouldn't do it. So, Exactly. <laughs> so what was the impetus to write Leading with Grit? Yeah, that's, um, you know, I had the idea for a book about 12 years ago and I wanted to be able to reach more people with this message what I had been sharing in the workplace because the process really works and the the, the name grit came to be on you know as the title a lot later than the process so I, I ended up you know giving it that title probably about eight years ago eight or nine years ago um, to come up with what it, what we were really doing and the book itself you know was just born out of the, uh, an idea of being able to give people the tools at their fingertips. And as you know, the book is designed to be able to, the first chapter, kind of read and reflect on yourself and then really put it into action. How do you communicate with grit? How do you lead you know, in your companies with grit? Right. And so you were sort of this we talked about this before I came on the air, sort of leading edge because after you publish your book, then suddenly there's almost, a, I would call, a small flood of books that enter onto the marketplace talking about grit sort of become the topic du jour. But but those books really are talking about more of this, the classic definition of grit, more of the passion, perseverance. Uh, and yours, at least on the surface, is sort of, they may end up in some cases in the same spot, but really a different take on it. So how is it different than those? 
Yeah, you know, it's um, the acronym GRIT, Generosity, Respect, Integrity, and Truth, is really the way that you can create the passion and perseverance in your life. Because too often what's happening is, you know, grit is good, but grit in and of itself, we can tend to leave people in the dust. You know, we can tend to not think about all of the characteristics and elements that we need to be successful. And so grit, generosity, respect, integrity, and truth kind of gives us a, a roadmap to do that. And the um, as you as you know, in the book, we invert that acronym and st- actually start with truth and work our way back through to generosity because it all starts with your core and truth and what we're looking for in the world, you know, in fact, is that sense of genuine generosity where we're giving, you know, because we want to, not because we have to. And so the the, the acronym itself is a little different than just the, the meaning of grit, but it absolutely helps us to persevere and make sure we have the passion and everything else it takes, generosity, respect, integrity, and truth to get there. So truth, then you say you start with that, is by truth and, you know, think about this audience, largely a sales audience that listens to the show is, is really transparency. It is. And, you know, it's a little different than what, uh, what, what, you know, generally people think about truth, truth integrity, respect, and then generosity is how the, how it goes in the, um, you know, the pattern. And with truth, it's really more about being aware and accepting who you are, what you are, where you are, where you want to go. It's looking at your truth. It's being able to look at yourself and know what's important to you, know what your priorities are, know what those sales goals are and what those numbers are, but what do they really mean to you from a value kind of standpoint? Um, it allows you to really be able to know yourself, you know, and accept yourself. Like I said, when you get to integrity, the next piece, that's where the transparency really comes in because that's the part where you're sharing who you are with other people. You're walking the talk. You're living who you say you are in your truth. So integrity is about aligning yourself to your truth. And that comes out in the form of communication. It comes out in the form of behavior. Um, There's a really cool tool in the book called the accountability ladder, which helps us look at, you know, are we really in integrity with with ourselves? Are we taking ownership and, and stepping up and taking accountability? Do you want me to keep going through the model or did well, you want yeah, to go yeah, somewhere? We'll, yeah, we'll work through it. I just yeah. have a question in the meantime. So, so the truth, maybe as a parallel to some degree, yeah. is a little bit becoming familiar with sort of your EQ. I mean, yeah. I mean you're, you are yes. having to have a, a very pragmatic assessment of, of who you are. Yes, this is highly um, correlated with EQ, that that piece of it, because it is a matter of being able to be aware of not only, you know, how old you are, where you live, you know, stuff like that. It's much deeper than that. It's your emotional intelligence and and being able to um, 
manage that comes more out in the integrity, respect, and generosity piece. The truth piece is just that that self-awareness of it. Well, yes. self-awareness is so important because if you're not, you know, it's, it's, it's been research done in, yeah. in various forms that's saying in the sales world that there's this, uh, and actually in the social world, and somebody I was just speaking to recently was telling me about this, is a study done that uh, they people went on like a blind date, a man and a woman, and they did surveys afterwards and they found that invariably the person who talked the most, meaning they're primarily mm-hmm. talking about themselves, um, thought it went better than the person who spoke less, right? right. And <laughs> right. similarly, is, is customers have the same thing. Is you know, Customers are very astute. People are very astute perceiving in other individuals, oftentimes more accurately than perhaps the individual perceives themselves, and they have the same mismatch where salespeople generally think that they provide more value than the customer thinks they do. And it's so, so yeah. yeah, so the key is, as you talked about, it's, it starts with this truth of you. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and, and as we know, it all stems from that. That's the core, you know, how we're feeling, how, you know, what we think about ourselves, our confidence, our self-esteem, you know, is our ego getting in the way? All of that is in our truth. And if we're aware of it, then we'll be able to act in integrity. We'll be able to act with respect and we'll be able to give in the right ways. Um, you know, so when when we're in integrity, we're aligning with that truth, we're able to communicate in a way that can really, you know, be transparent in the right way and also show respect. And, and you can see how it leads perfectly into respect. So it's a bit linear, the model, but it's also, as we know, intertwined and each one of these characteristics stand very, um, you know, as critical characteristics on their own. But respect, we have to be able to respect ourselves first. So great example of it is as um, as sales managers and, and salespeople, are you taking care of yourself in the right way and making sure that you are staying aligned to your truth? You're doing everything that is in, important to you so that you can be the best salesperson so that you can be the best sales leader so that you can give when it gets to generosity in the right ways to people and you're focused on the right things you know and then then are we respecting other people are we really looking at that other person especially from a sales management standpoint are we looking at our team as individuals as human beings do we genuinely care about them and are we helping them develop in their unique ways and you know and and being able to coach them as they need it not as you think you know not in your style but being able to look at each one of them as unique individuals the disc model is something that um you know use and and share in the book and most people are probably familiar with that it's such a great tool to be able to help understand what your natural behavioral kind of personality style is and then be able to size up what your customers are same thing with a sales manager and his team you know, that sales manager, she needs to be able to know what style these people are so she can talk their language, so she can help them and really connect and build trust with them. And that's what the the respect and integrity piece helps a leader to build trust because there is that transparency 
transparency. And it's in a way that people feel like you genuinely care about them. You know, when you, when you get to that level, you just kind of breeze right into generosity. It's no effort. That's the thing that's cool. You know, it's like... We don't have to try to do those one-on-ones with our, you know, our, our direct reports. We, we don't have to, you know, we, we don't squirm when we have to give them some negative feedback. We want to because we know that's the right thing to do. We've, you know, we've aligned ourselves properly. We've had the right conversations with them. And we're eager to help them in that way because we know that, you know, that, that genuinely is the right thing to do with grit. The payoff is that we all make great money, you know, <laughs> that's well, yeah. awesome. But if, if we do it because of the money, we know that it comes out with a different intent and a different energy. Yeah, the acronym would change at that point. So, so yeah, I, mean, I think that certainly applies in sales management, applies as from a salesperson dealing, a sales professional dealing with his or her customers is that, yeah. you know, understanding yourself, being pragmatic in the assessment you have, dealing with them transparently, uh, you know, from a source of integrity in the broader sense of the word, as you describe it, as well as integrity, a respect. I mean, you're there to serve. I mean, right. you're there it's, to serve. It's, exactly. about, it's about them. And, you know, you exactly. talked about sales, sales managers looking at their salespeople as unique individuals. You know, it's a more pervasive problem in sales is that people think the customers are all alike, right? The customer wants to do this. Yes. We sell this one product. Yes. Therefore, we can put all these customers in the same niche. <laughs> and as you point out in your book, you can't do that. Everybody's everybody is unique. You know, it's exactly. it's without stressing the unfortunate snowflake cliche. You know, everybody yeah. is unique. You know, and, and, and if we as leaders can help our salespeople not only understand this, but actually enjoy it. You know, but actually look at it, help them shift their thoughts and beliefs around the fact that each one of their customers are unique. Instead of, oh, you know, this is difficult and this is hard because each one is unique. We look at it and go, wow, this is cool. This is going to be fun. You know, Mm -hmm. this is I get to dance a different dance with this customer than I do with another customer, you know, being able to just have some fun with it. That's that, too, I think, is one of the biggest roles of a sales manager to help their sales professionals be able to really shift their thoughts and beliefs around some of these things so that they will genuinely act differently with their customers. Right. All right. Well, I mean, you, one thing you spend a lot of time writing about, talking about is change and mm-hmm. you address in the book and in your writing and videos, I mean, podcast series you produced with our, our mutual friend, Todd Schnick. So, I'm always yeah. struck when I talk with sales professionals and sales leaders, thought leaders, that you look at the content of the books that are sort of written, it's like, okay, we're talking about the same problems and challenges that we've had in sales for generations. Mm-hmm. And so, as I think about the persistence of these challenges, it comes down to, to me, I guess, boils down to the fact that, geez, we are just woefully ineffective and have been forever in how we coach change because that yeah. that fundamentally is the issue if we're not seeing change in these behaviors if we still think you know just to take a common one you know salespeople first thing they do is they when they meet a new prospect is they talk about themselves okay well this has been talked about for 130 years since modern american selling started right. it's always been the same issue um, right. you know it's not that people aren't capable of of changing but obviously we're horrible at teaching change 
Yeah. 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 And you know, I think the fundamental problem is we're teaching at the wrong level when it comes to change. We're, we're trying to focus on getting people to change their behavior, to change their actions. You know, uh, they're looking at numbers, they're looking at this, they're looking at, and they're saying, okay, we, we need to change these actions and behaviors and these tasks when really most of the time we need to help those people change their thoughts and beliefs. We need to help them focus on, for example, like you just said, because the salesperson goes in, they end up talking all about themselves first. There could be a number of different reasons why the person ends up doing that. They, they know better, let's say, and they, you know, they, they go in and they do it anyway. They could be nervous. They could, any of these things could happen. But fundamentally, or, you know, at their core, do they really believe that the customer that you're there to serve that customer and help that customer you know do they really believe that probably not they're probably still at a level of they you know intellectually they believe it but they haven't gotten deep enough to shift shift their own thoughts and beliefs around that they're still focused on themselves rather than the customer they're not really in the moment with that customer well yeah i mean that's that's it <laughs> That's a huge worsen, worsening problem as, you know, yeah. mobile, to mobile technology and everything is exacerbated. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so if, if leaders can focus with their sales teams more on helping shift thoughts and beliefs, and how do we do this? We do it with stories. We do it with questions. We do it with giving them sharing a vulnerability that really happened in your past and how it you know, how it helped you in some way. You help them to really, you know, be able to look at things that way. And as you're familiar with from the book, the five steps of change is a great, is a great model to help people kind of walk through for themselves too, because what the, what it does is it takes you through, oh, I, I can give you the five steps well, real we'll, quick. We'll, no, we'll right. go through it. I, I, okay. That's coming gotcha. up here. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so, but I think gotcha. that, yeah, but I think uh, to yeah. your point is, and maybe the you know, sort of leading into this is that I think that that one of the issues that was, you know sort of relates to this idea of change being hard to to take hold is mm-hmm. that this assumption, this thought and belief, to use your terms, that it has to be done on an institutional level down to the personal level, as opposed to starting at the personal level. And, you know, people taking responsibility for the changes themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I, you're you're spot on. That's you know that's that's a huge mistake that we make because it does. If it happens with each individual, that's the way you're going to see the change happen. You know, <laughs> trying to turn to make the change at that um, you know that umbrella level. It's just it's it doesn't happen that way. Change happens one person at a time. We have to you know we shift inside. We take ultimate responsibility. We take ownership. We take you know accountability for this. And that's when things really start to shift. Okay, so let's let's use that as the cue then to start talking about your five steps to a change. And, sure. and there are five, we'll sort of go through them one at a time. I mean, just their awareness, desire, how, taking action, perseverance. Well, let's start with awareness. So uh, let me sort of preface it by asking the question maybe a little different. So aren't we sort of living... Maybe even our our time is specifically unique, but perhaps aren't we living in a time where change is always needed? I mean, things, yeah. the pace of technology and the way our life is evolving, and so on. 
there is no such thing as uh, standing still. Exactly. Yeah, what is the old adage? The only thing that's constant is change, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, you know, and it's um, it's it to me, it's more about our attitude about change, our thoughts and beliefs about change. You know, well, how are we feeling about that? And do we even, you know, use the five steps of change for this? And you just look at you as an awareness. Using awareness, you'd look at yourself and you'd say, "Wow." What am I really feeling right now when change comes at me? You know, what, what's going on in my own mind about it? Stalk myself for a few minutes. What, what, what are those little voices telling me about this change? And being able to use your awareness, your self-awareness, without judgment is a critical point of awareness because most people, when they become aware of their thoughts and beliefs or they become aware that they're not doing something they should, they start to either make excuses or beat themselves up or they don't do something that's productive, which is really just being in awareness. It's just looking at it, just being, that takes practice for a lot of people. It's not an easy thing to do. We really are conditioned to judge things. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it this? Or is it that? It's not to say, yeah. And it's not to say that we should just accept it and not move on. Of course not. The whole change model is about making change, but the first step is that we have to just kind of go, okay, yeah, we accept it. It is what it is. Now, do I want to change it? You know, and, so how, and how do why people, do we, right? So how do people yeah. train themselves to listen yeah. to themselves without these biases, mm-hmm. without these filters, without judgment? Yeah. Uh, how do you well, do that? You know, the it's kind of uh, it's kind of funny because it's like you we have to we have to be aware to be aware. So how do we do that? If you're a person that. Um, uses lists, if you're a person that uses a calendar, tasks, whatever you use to organize yourself, you probably at first to be able to create a habit, you're going to have to carve time out to actually be in the moment with yourself, be present with yourself, take the time to self-reflect. Even if it's three minutes a day, one minute in the morning, one minute during lunch, one minute in the evening, that goes so far to be able to just calmly self-reflect. Not any judgment, just be able to look at yourself. Oh, interesting. How am I feeling right now? What's going on with me? And then as soon as you find yourself judging yourself, you just go, okay, next. Or, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, you come up with things to help you to not go into that judgment phase. A lot of people are doing yoga and meditation and all kinds of things to be able to quiet their mind and be able to do this self-reflection. Um, but we don't have to, you know, I, I, I think that stuff is all great and I do that myself. But you don't have to do all of that. You can just stop and pay attention to how you're breathing, what your thoughts are. And just, I fondly call it stalking myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, it is classic being mindful, uh, yeah. except, except in small yeah. bites as you talk about it, and which is, yeah, is a, a trend. I mean, you have to use that same technique when mm-hmm. you're talking to a customer, I and mean, you have to be mindful, you have to be in the moment, you have to exactly. listen, listen without judgment. Uh, so yes. if you can learn to do that with yourself, you can obviously hopefully learn how to apply that to your conversations with other people, including your prospects and customers. Um, yeah, and what's, what's cool, Andy, is when you're practicing with yourself or you're practicing with your customers, it's all practice, you know? So pretty soon you, you find, wow, I'm really mindful throughout most of the day. But it, like anything, it takes practice. 
Yes, practice, practice, practice. Yeah. That's right. How do we get to Carnegie Hall? Um, so the second step then, the first step is you have your awareness of the need for change and awareness of, of what the impacts or what it could mean for you. Uh, next one is desire for change. Yeah, yeah. And that's really, you know, the why. Why do I want this change? So the first step, okay, I'm aware. And then it's like, okay, why do I want to do it? What's in it for me? And, and we have to own that why. It has to be genuinely our reason for changing. The what's in it for me in a not, not a selfish way, but, you know, what's the value to me so that I have that self-motivation to do this. And what, what can often happen is somebody else wants you to change. Your sales manager is telling you to change. Your wife's telling you to change. Somebody what? That else never happens. Change. <laughs> and it's, a, you know, it's a, we've, we've got to own it ourselves. And um, the person that can hear someone else asking them to change and interpret that into their own what's in it for me to change is a very self-aware individual and that's where we're striving to be because if we could take any kind of you know feedback from anyone and be able to turn that into something useful for ourselves you know that's what is really powerful and really strong but you know going back to just the simple model and, and desire it's all about finding the what's in it for you so you know to be able to stop and really be present in the moment to be able to listen and ask great questions in your sales interview what's in it you know what's in it for you to do that why should you do that you know what what's the power of that for you and really self-reflecting on that and not just the surface level of it because that's you know what you have to do in a sales call well, <laughs> it's, right. it's like well, yeah I think, well i think you have to almost flip the coin because i think part of the the whole thing with the what's in it for me is is sort of a what goes hand in hand with that is, is perception of risk, right? Yes. So I'm, yes. I'm saying what's in it for me based on my perception of what the risk is. And I think what, yes. what people have to think more about these days is flip that on its head and say, what's the risk to me if I don't change? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you, can, so mm-hmm. you have to be mindful of the consequence of not changing. And exactly. uh, I, I think exactly. that, at least to me, I, that when I work with you, I think that's a more powerful way for them to look at it because then, yeah. then they can really understand what the consequences are. Yeah, and, and and I write about that in the book, and then we talk about you know it's pain or pleasure. It's like, exactly. you know, it, it, it comes down to that pain or pleasure. It's like okay, you know what's going to motivate me at this point. Um, and usually for most people, it's thinking of the pain that will happen if I don't do it, you know? right, right. <laughs> instead of the pleasure that I will get if I do do it. The, the pain is the bigger motivator. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So third step yeah. is the how. And yeah. yeah, as you talk about in the book is that the, in some of the impetus for change really derives from knowing that it's possible to do. So yeah. you know, we sort of assume that people in general know how to change, but in actuality, most people learn by watching and learn by seeing others do it. So mm-hmm. they have to be told how to change. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and they have to be, like you just said, they have to watch 
and then they have to try it for themselves. You know, we really, and that gets a little bit into the next step, but just being able to find something that works for you as well when it comes to that third step, the knowledge, the how, you know, and uh, this is a great um, example of where everybody's different. We all learn differently. We all need different, different tools. So one, one book might work well for somebody. One training might work well for somebody. We've got to know ourselves and we've got to know our people so that we can figure out how to best you know, get our behavior to shift. Um, and so, you know, using, using one type tool might work one time, even for the same person, and then they ha- might have to switch it up and stuff. So being able to be aware that there, there is a lot out there too, as well, you know, being able to, to, um, find the tools that we need. And that's the, the sales manager's role to help the sales team do that. But we have to do that for ourselves as well. Yeah, I, people probably roll their eyes when I say this that have listened to the show a lot is, is, yeah, you can't rely on your employer to provide everything for you. So yeah, exactly. you know, a lot of this has to come from you because it's your career. It's not their career. It's, it's your career. You, it's their job, but it's your career. And, you know, you, you think about it, Andy, it, these are steps going up, the five steps of change. If you're aware and you have the desire, you really want to, you're going to be already motivated to find the how. It's not as difficult. If you just go in at that level of finding how and you don't have your motivation, that's when it's tougher. Yeah. Well, that's when it, then it becomes really yeah. difficult to make a decision or to make the right decision about how yeah. to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're right. absolutely right. So step four, taking action. Um, it's, it's, I read an article recently uh, in, I guess, Fortune magazine talking about uh, how McDonald's has gone through all these huge changes. And their new CEO's watchword motto basically is, you know, act first, talk later. Uh, yeah. You know, are there times when action is just more important than the why? Well, you know, there certainly is because I like that um, – fake it till you make it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like sometimes we just can't get to the why. We've got to get over ourselves. We, we've got to just exercise the muscle. we got to just try it, you know, and just get out there and, and get it rolling. Um, so I, I absolutely agree with that, that there are times that we just, you know, we, even if we can't find it, just we all know just starting is one of the most important things. And that's where a lot of us are stuck the most. We might even kind of get the how and we're, we're motivated, but there's still something holding us back we haven't gotten to and we won't take that action. And just being able to take that first step or just putting yourself out there, be vulnerable. It's okay to make a mistake. And, you know, that's a, a good point to bring up too with our sales management. It's so important that they provide an environment where it's okay to make a mistake, you know, and, and put people out in situations where they they do get an opportunity to to watch and see and all of that and learn, but also be with them and watch them as they go through that sales call so that they get a good debrief at the end of it. What'd you do right? You know, what what'd you do wrong? And <laughs> what are you right. gonna do differently next time? Yeah. Well, and I think that one of the ways that people become paralyzed and start procrastinating is the perfectionist that want to have everything in order. So if people are saying, yeah, we've got these five steps, I really need to nail steps, awareness, desire, how before I can take any action. Yeah, it doesn't really work that way. I mean, it's, it's as you said, you, you want to go through those steps, those are important steps, but 
you know, yep. there's a tendency of people to want to say, I want to perfect that first, right? And yeah, that doesn't exist. Perfect doesn't exist. Get out there, as you said. Uh, yeah. Fake it till you make it. It's really, but it's it's really how you learn. And yeah. I, I'm sure you yes. had the experience with with your book, as I had with my books. Is I didn't really know what I'd written until other people started reading it and giving me <laughs> feedback about what they took from it. So I learned You're over time. Right what yeah you know what it was so yeah that the yeah. And, and even when you have you know using the book as an example um as an author most authors will know even when you have the desire to write the book especially your first book and i haven't been to my second book yet but um we don't we have the we have the motivation we we, we know as much as we can about the how but it's still hard to take action sometimes, you know, it's still, yeah. it's still be difficult to do. So it's not that we're just going to breeze through it and there is still going to be an element of discipline and you know, that that's, it's not just, um, okay, I want to do it. I know how to do it. Boom. I'm going to do it. Um, we well, definitely, we're going to have those stumbling blocks. Yeah, yeah. It gets to the fifth step of the change, which is yeah, back to the old fashioned, <laughs> old fashioned grit, which is perseverance. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you fall off the horse, you get back on, you know, that what, what you tried didn't work. You try something else or you try it again, or you go back and you practice or you get feedback or, you know, and we don't give up. It's, it's being able to loop back down around the steps that we might need. Maybe we need a little shot of motivation. Maybe we need a different method. Maybe we need some more practice. Uh, maybe we need some more self-awareness, but to keep going because there really is no other alternative. You're going to keep going one way or another, so you might as well go up. <laughs> well, and if you've done the work to, and you have the why, you have this goal in mind, this objective, and you understand what the risks are of not making the change and you've got some senses to the how and you start putting the how into place and it, yeah, it doesn't quite work the way you want. That's yeah. not a sign to stop. That's a sign to keep going and working to perfect it because any change in habit, change in behavior, it, it takes practice. We talked about it before. It takes practice. And yeah, you want to become really good at uh, being responsive in sales well, hey, you completely control that. But the first times you do it, you're not going to be, you're not going to perfect the habit from day one. Unlikely. So yeah. practice. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of practice and, and, and having fun with it. You know, that's the thing I think is important too, because life's too short. We need to loosen up, have a little bit of fun, lighten up, you know, and, and enjoy the, the ride because when we do that, the energy that we have is so much more attractive than when we're forcing everything all the time. Right. And to that point is, is I think as sales professionals, we have to understand because we're putting ourselves out there all the time, though, you know, we do as well as authors and podcasters and so on is you have to ask yourself and answer the question, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. to your point about yeah. having fun, the worst that can happen is usually not very bad. So, yeah. so why Absolutely. not have fun with it? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I know, you know, in my own personal life, just being able to take the time to to really self-reflect, you know, and get to know myself and, and lighten up and have some fun. I've been so much more happy and successful in the last 10 years of my life than I was when I was just 
killing myself and working crazy hours and just all driven by the numbers, you know? It's, mm -hmm. it's just it's almost ironic because it feels like you should have to work really, really hard. And now it's like, yeah, I'm pretty happy and enjoying myself. I still work really hard, but it's different. You know, the, the, the effort and the energy that I put in feels more natural than forced. Well, and I would, without psychoanalyzing you, I would say the reason <laughs> for that is you discovered the why. Yes, exactly. And, that, and that, yeah. that's the difference. So, yeah. And so now we get to the last segment of the show, Lori, where I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests and uh, put them to the test a little bit. So the, the first one is a hypothetical scenario in which you've just been hired as the new vice president of sales at a company whose sales have stalled out and flatlined, slumped or whatever, and CEO is anxious to get things unstuck and back on track. So your first week on the job, what two things could you do that would have the biggest impact? First two things would be to first meet with the, you know, the entire team and be able to help them see who I am. Be completely transparent. I don't mean 100%, of course, <laughs> but be transparent and, and share vulnerabilities and help them to see that I'm a real person. And the second thing would be to meet with each one of them one-on-one -on -one to make sure that I connect and understand each one of them and make sure that they, you know, to start building some trust. Okay. All right. That's important. So some rapid fire questions for you. Give one word answers or elaborate if you wish. So when you, Lori, are out selling your services, what's your most powerful sales attribute? I'd say uh, relating to people. Okay. So who's your sales role model? Uh, and I say, oh, Jeffrey Gittimer, I love him. Okay, good guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I just interviewed him again yesterday. So, uh, cool. <laughs> other than your own book, what's one book you'd recommend every salesperson read? Yeah, it's not a sales book. It's The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Yeah, that's been recommended before. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Excellent. And why do you well, like I that got one? one? I have one more for you. Sure. The the only little prayer you need, it's about getting over your fears. The only little prayer you need. And who wrote that? And it's Deborah, ah, geez, I'm going to forget her last name, Anglert, I think it is. If you, on Amazon, the only little bit. prayer you need, All it right. will come up. All right, we'll get the author's name on the show notes page of the podcast so people can get that. Uh, gosh, last question. This is always a tough one for people. What music's on your playlist today? Oh my gosh, definitely. <laughs> you know, you might laugh at this one, but um and, and this is what's so funny because I don't I can't even remember the guy's name right now what I was just listening to, so I'm going to give you a different one. Let's see. Um Tom Petty. <laughs> Tom Petty, okay. I just had a new guy on there and I can't remember his name, bummer. Oh, okay. Well, if you anyway. remember you can drop me an email. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll put it on the show notes page. So, Lori, <laughs> it's been great to have you on the show. Uh, tell folks how they can connect with you. You can connect with me at leadingwithgrit.com. And, of course, you can look me up, Lori Sudbrink, on um, LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter. And, you know, feel free to take our free grit assessment as well. It's electronic. It's online. It's at leadingwithgrit.com grit assessment. Okay. Great. Thank you for being on the show. And again, uh, friends, remember, make it a part of your day every day. 
to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine, whether you listen to commute in the gym or make a part of your morning sales meeting. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Lori Sudbrink, who shared her expertise on how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Till next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.